Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host, Therese Cerise, and today I'm going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And today's poem is entitled My Enemy. Here we go. The devil really thought he had me by presenting the illusion of infidelity. He wanted to make me think that you are my enemy so that I would start fighting instead of praying without ceasing. But once again, God showed up. He heard my humble cries. So as I began to, as I became weak, he made me strong. And while my strength grew, he took the devil on. The next thing I knew, I was no longer crying. Instead, I am talking to you. And now I am praying for you wholeheartedly, it seems, because you were never supposed to be my enemy. We are on the same team. So today I wanted to talk to y'all about infidelity. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about infidelity is because with everything happening in this world, with the pandemic going on, with people losing their lives, um, with just all the chaos and confusion that is taking place on the planet right now, I truly believe a lot of times that the enemy will utilize this opportunity to cause confusion and lead the other person to believe, I'm talking about in relationships, potentially, um, lead them to believe that infidelity is taking place. Maybe because their spouse is spending more time on their cell phones than they normally would had there not been a pandemic, had there not been more seclusion taking place. Um, Maybe they're not giving them as much undivided attention as they once did. Maybe they're not going into public settings to date because of the pandemic. Whatever the reason is, what I am starting to notice is that there are a lot of couples that are dissolving their relationships or speaking about dissolving their relationships because of the illusion of infidelity. Now, I'm not saying that infidelity is not taking place in some of those relationships, but what this episode is about is speaking to the illusion of infidelity. And in my honest opinion, what I truly believe is that anytime that there is an illusion of infidelity that presents itself, There is a lack of communication on both parts somewhere. And it is important that whenever there is a shifting, not only in the atmosphere, but in how the in in the dynamic of your relationship, when there's a shifting, let's say that age is playing a part. Let's say that um, maybe in the beginning of your relationship, you were more um, vocal in terms of what you desired, in terms of what you expected, in terms of what you were looking forward to, and in terms of all of that, Um, in terms of your finances, in terms of stability, just 
you were having more conversations, more heartfelt conversations. And then out of nowhere, there was a shifting in the atmosphere. And once that shifting took place, you were less vocal. You didn't talk about your finances as much. You started hiding things. Um, you started making it seem as if your spouse, you didn't need to divulge information to your spouse possibly because anytime that you tried to be wholeheartedly honest, they couldn't handle your truth. If that is something that you've actually experienced, <clears throat> but whatever the reason is, what I've come to understand about the nuances of relationships is that communication is of the utmost importance and keeping secrets. And I'm talking about making it a habit of keeping secrets is not healthy on any level. Especially if you know and if you truly, truly count up the cost, you recognize that if this secret were to be divulged to your significant other, that it would crush the trust in your relationship. So a lot of times, <coughs> excuse me, what I believe takes place is that instead of having that dialogue with your significant other, instead of creating an atmosphere of safety and non-judgment, we start to make a decision of, I'm not gonna share this with them. They don't need to know that. It's too much for them to handle. And it's like you're making the decision for the other person without trusting that they can handle your truth or at least giving them the opportunity to handle your truth. And so if you are that individual who is starting to withhold information from your significant other, what could potentially occur is that the significant other can begin to believe that there is infidelity on the horizon. And whenever that takes place, whenever there is a break in the trust, it will create all sorts of havoc in your relationship. Now, all of a sudden, the communication has taken a back seat. Now, grudges are being held. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, misunderstandings are taking place. And in my opinion, I believe that that's giving place to the enemy. I truly believe that that is causing discord and strife where there may not need to be discord and strife if you're opting to communicate on a regular basis. And sometimes you may have to have that conversation. And what I mean by that conversation is, okay, so there has been a shifting in our communication and it appears that you and I are not communicating as much as we once were. This is affecting me. It's affecting how I see you. It's affecting how I see the relationship. It's affecting my emotions. It's affecting my mental health. It is impacting me on several levels. I want our, our communication to be restored. So my desire is that maybe we can look at this from a, a very wholesome perspective and have a dialogue in terms of what does communication now look for us in this season of our lives? Are there going to be times that I'm going to have to say to you, can we table this for a moment because I'm trying to get my thoughts together because I don't want to be offensive, nor do I want to be defensive? Are we going to have to make those switches to the conversation to where I'm able to say to you, is now a good time for us to discuss S Y X, Y, and Z? Um, or are we going to have to create some type of chart where 
I'm letting you know there is, based on a color scale or whatever, I'm letting you know that this is a very important conversation because it's in the red. This is a uh, just a casual conversation because it's in the green and this is a neutral conversation because it's in yellow. But we need to schedule some time to have this dialogue. However communication looks like to you, that is something that I would strongly recommend um, delving into. And if you don't have a therapist, a family therapist or an individual therapist, um, trying to find certain maybe books that will help to encourage you to communicate to your spouse even better. I know that um, my sweetheart for my birthday, he actually um, presented me with two books. One of them was um, The Power of a Praying Wife. And the other one, and The Power of a Praying Wife is by Stormy um, O'Martian. I hope I said her name right. And then the other one was Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, A Practical Guide for Improving Communication and Getting What You Want in Your Relationships. And that's by John Gray. <clears throat> he has a PhD, excuse me. So, Pretty much, um, I love the gifts, first of all, but what I was appreciative of is that no matter how healthy we believe we are in these relationships, we are still dealing with other people. We're dealing with another individual. And so the honeymoon season, you know, we, everybody goes through a honeymoon phase, you know, you're just like, oh, you know, you see the stars and all of that. However, the reality of it is, is that I truly believe, and that's one thing that I had communicated to him in the very early stages of our relationship, <clears throat> is that, of our friendship really, is that what was vital to me is that we always keep the lines of communication open, no matter if, if it's good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. First of all, because I communicate with my friends. I communicate whether I'm having a great day. I communicate whether I'm having a bad day. I communicate if I'm having an indifferent day or a happy day. I communicate with my friends. And whenever you are speaking of or you are entertaining or you are contemplating entering into a relationship with someone else, potentially your purpose partner, it is helpful to be mindful and also keep the lines of communication open and convey to them what your expectations are in this particular new relationship. And then any time that you or the other party believes that there's been a shifting or there's been a change or because sometimes age plays a factor as well. Um, this is something that I've noticed. I've been observing a lot of couples. OK, and I, I mean, there's people that come to me and talk to me about certain things. But in particular, what I've noticed is that there's a certain age bracket and I'm just going to put it into the atmosphere. It ain't for everyone. But this is what I've noticed because this is the information that has been brought to me recently. When you get to let's say around the age of 60 uh, between 85 is what I'm going to say if you've been with the same person for a long period of time now of course I know it could apply to other age brackets but this is what's been coming to me lately what I've noticed is that and it just depends on what underlining health issues each individual has the conversation shifts and if you're not careful, you can become very, very disrespectful to your life partner. 
And maybe it's because you are now knowledgeable that you are closer to your demise than you are to all this fullness of life. And by going through that season, it could possibly cause a frustration that you're not able or you don't feel like you have the capacity to communicate to your significant other. But it's not fair to the other person, in my opinion, for you to put that weight on them. They are not your creator. They cannot determine when you're going to pass away. So to put that type of pressure on them and to try to and to take your frustration out on them is not fair to them. But what I have, and I've heard this before, we always hurt the ones we love. First of all, we need to debunk that. Excuse me. It should not be that we always hurt the ones that we love. We should be helping to heal the ones that we love. We should be helping to create such a atmosphere around the people that we love that there is a a feeling of safety, that there's a feeling of security, that there's a feeling of contentment, that there's a feeling of just truly, truly being able to be your authentic self in that atmosphere every single day, no matter what, no matter what is going on, no matter how things are taking place, like it should be such a situation to where when you look up, you're just like, I really enjoy coming home to this atmosphere. Even the Bible says that a house filled with a contentious woman or something of that, like it's better for a man to be on the rooftop than for him to be Um, in a home with a contentious woman. The Bible even talks about contentiousness. So whenever you are in a situation and you feel as if you're not being heard, there's a lot of people that feel like they're not being heard, especially in this, um, this, I mean, atmosphere, the way things are going. But just for those of you that don't know, um, contentious actually means causing or likely to cause an argument or to be controversial. Now, I know the Bible talks about it's better for a man to be on a roof than to be in the house of a contentious woman. But my question to you is, and I mean, I'm not sure anybody can answer that because we didn't write the Bible, but I'm going to reverse that. It can also be the same when it comes to a woman being on the rooftop. Better for a woman to be on the rooftop than in a house with a contentious man. And the reason why I want to talk about that is that because of the examples that come to my mind that have been brought to my attention, this was not necessarily where the woman was being contentious in these scenarios. It was where the man was being contentious in those scenarios. Very argumentative, very accusatory. And so with that being said, that does not lead to peace, if that makes sense. It doesn't lead to peace for you to be dealing with someone who is being contentious. It doesn't lead to peace in any way, form or fashion for you to deal with someone who is always argumentative. That does not give you a peace of mind. It doesn't make you feel safe. It doesn't make you feel secure. It does the opposite. So let's go back to um, when I'm speaking in terms of the illusion of infidelity. Anytime that you are dealing with the illusion of infidelity, there is something that has taken place, whether it be a past conversation or something, there is something that is taking place um, 
be, that is causing the other person to believe that they are being cheated on. And that is a very terrible feeling. One of the main reasons why it's a terrible feeling is because it does not have to be that way. If you are insecure, say that. Talk about it. Talk about where your insecurities are. Talk about why it is that you feel insecure. Talk about why it is that you believe that there's been a shifting in the relationship. Talk about the things that make you or give you pause. Talk about those things. Instead of spewing your conscience on someone else, which is what these individuals have pretty much told me has happened to them. Instead of doing that, why not? take ownership of where you're at emotionally, psychologically, mentally, all of the above. Why not take ownership? Because truth be told, whenever you are visiting or whenever you are aware that you are close to your demise in any way, form or fashion, that is something to be fearful of for a lot of people if they are questioning their immortality if they're, or their mortalities. Correction. So whenever they're questioning their mortality, yes, I understand that that's something that would potentially cause you to be afraid. I'll give you an example. When I was actually, when I first found out about me getting or having a tumor in my brain, this is the first time, not the second time. I handled it 150% better the second time than I did the very first time that I heard about the tumor in my brain. However, when I initially heard about the tumor in my brain and I was weighing the options of do you go get brain surgery or do you not? Do you go ahead and live with the tumor in your brain and you run the risk of something happening? Because for those of you that don't know, I'm going to go ahead and be completely transparent. What I have under my brain stem is considered a petroclivical meningioma. And so it has grown back, not, I mean, an actual second time. So right now I currently have it in my brain. However, um, if it shifts in any way, form or fashion, it could immediately affect my cognitive skills. So one minute I may be just talking like this freely. The next minute I may not be able to utter one single word. It just depends on if it shifts or not. And so before I knew about the actual tumor in my brain, you know, you're going around life. You're trying to live your best life, quote unquote. You're doing what you can with what you have. And then you get this traumatic news and how you handle that news, <clears throat> excuse me, will impact a lot of different areas of your life. So for me, when I heard that I had this tumor in my brain, the first, first thing that came to my mind was my children. And the reason why my children came to my mind is because I am a single mother. I'm a divorced single mother. So they have literally been my world for the majority of more than half of my life is the best way for me to put it. So because they've been the, the center of my attention for more than the uh, majority of my life, what I found myself doing is being afraid of what their lives would be like without me. So we had to start having very um, serious conversations. Like I had to bring the family in. I had to, uh, my aunt is a nurse, well, not a nurse. My aunt, she deals with, um, what's it called? Mammograms, but she's in the nursing field. And so pretty much I actually started dealing 
She was the one that was like, we have to have a conversation with the whole family because people need to understand the magnitude of what could potentially happen um, when it comes to your demise. You know, what does that look like life after Teresa, you know? And then even if I survive, what does that look like as I'm recovering? So we had to have those serious conversations. And actually, I'm grateful that we did because when I actually was going through the process of healing, what I also recognized is that my healing had a lot to do with my support system. It had a lot to do with the people that were surrounding me. And so I'm grateful that we took the time out to have that conversation. There's some conversations nobody wants to have. That includes our demise. There's some, when you're trying to make your will, when you're trying to prepare for, you know, passing, when you're trying to make sure you have all of your ducks in a row, when you're trying to talk about life insurance, when you're trying to make sure that, you know, what, what does this look like? What does it look like when I am no longer on this planet in this type of realm? What does that look like for my family? What does that feel like for me? Those are very, very hard conversations to have. And so after having those conversations with my family, and even though I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, my, my family probably still needs therapy because my children, no matter what we've gone through, it's one thing for you to feel a certain way about your mom while she's still here. It's another to feel a certain way about your mom or your dad when they are no longer here and you're not able to technically try to resolve that. The only way that you can get some type of closure is to write in a journal or to record um, a, a, a moment that you may have had that you wish you would have taken the opportunity to have a deeper conversation with that individual. Those moments go away whenever the person passes away. And then you have to create a different type of solution to handle your emotions. And so I know that it was pressure on my children because they didn't know what that looked like. They didn't know what life without their mother was going to look like. Now, fast forward. I now know that I have another tumor in my brain. However, now I've set things in place to where if something were to happen to me, they have been considered. My children have been considered. I was not in that position the very first time. I was not in that financial position the very first time. And so maybe there was some underlining fear there as well. What's going to happen if she passes away and we've got to bury her and there's no funds to bury her? You know, so those are different things that I do believe will bring about if we allow it to. It will bring about discord and strife, confusion and hurt and pain and unspoken words and unspoken expectations because no one is talking about those very serious conversations. But Truth be told, it is necessary. So let me go back to the illusion of infidelity. Although I know that I, I gave the example of the tumor in my brain, at the end of the day, what I'm really trying to express is that we can allow our imaginations to go places that they don't have to go. And one of the ways that you can eliminate some of the confusion, some of the frustration, some of the pain, is just to have those conversations. You know what they say about assumption, right? You know, a lot of you know what they say about assuming. It makes an ass out of you and me when you assume. Well, it I 
would like to say that when it comes to the illusion of infidelity, whether it's on the part of the man or whether it's on the part of the woman, whether it, whoever it falls on, the reality of it is, is that you can literally eliminate a lot of that by having open dialogue with your significant other. Just have a conversation and, and try your best not to be accusatory. Because nobody likes to be falsely accused of anything. I've never met someone that does cartwheels whenever they've been falsely accused. Have you ever met anybody that has done cartwheels whenever they have been falsely accused? Let me know because I've never seen it. And so with that being said, whenever you get an unction or a feeling or a fear, remember, fear is false evidence appearing real. So whenever you get that Take the opportunity to analyze your thoughts. Take an opportunity to weigh your thoughts and then figure out a way to communicate to your significant other. This is the thought that I have. Maybe it's something that they said. Maybe it's how they said it. Maybe it's a reference that they made to a past relationship. Maybe there's no closure or on your part, you feel as if there's not really been closure on a past relationship and it's been lingering over your head in terms of, well, is something still going on? Does he still love her? Does she still love him? Whatever that looks like for you, open up the conversation and try not to be accusatory of the other person. Try to just take a moment to just talk. Just talk. That's all you got to do sometimes. You know, you don't have to yell at them. You don't have to scream at them. You don't have to falsely accuse them. You do not have to believe the lie. What you can truly do is make up in your mind, I'm going to do right by you. You're going to do right by me, hopefully. And let's have an open dialogue. Let's get a better understanding of what communication looks like for the both of us so that we can build the trust, whatever that looks like for us. So this is going to conclude my episode on today. I do hope that this has encouraged someone but please, whether you are listening to this morning, evening, or night, do me a huge favor and take care of yourself because there is only one you. Thank you for listening. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Bye. <laughs>